Impact of the gospel, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10. We're going to start in verse 5, though, because I love verse 5. Verse 5 says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had or how you welcomed us, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. What a great passage. What a great church as we talked about last week, man. The signs, the marks of a healthy church. This church was on fire for Jesus, all because of the gospel. Last week, we talked about the evidence, the evidence of the gospel, the the changes that come that we see, not in our own lives, but in the lives of others around us. You were going, you were going this way at one time. Lost, path of destruction and death, but now you're going this way. Man, for Christ. The ultimate U-turn. You guys, anybody remember the bumper sticker that was out in the late 80s, 90s, early 90s? Going in the wrong direction? I guess you guys didn't see that bumper sticker. God allows U-turns. Come on. I was golfing yesterday at an FCA um, um, fundraiser, and uh, on one of the holes it said, Jesus allows mulligans. <laughs> kind of the same principle. Going in the wrong, we were going in the wrong direction. How many of you guys made a 180-degree turn? Well, hopefully, if you truly got saved, you made a 180-degree turn. But that's what it was, man. This was the evidence of the gospel. The gospel evidence, which is the only way that you or I could change. The only thing that changed us. Tonight we're going to look at just how much the Thessalonians' lives changed as well, but also how it applies to us. And what, what was the impact of the gospel for us? The changes that were brought to our lives through Jesus. The result of hearing the good news of his love, of a plan for your life, of a, of a hope in the future. That you didn't have to keep going down this path of destruction and heartache and brokenness and hopelessness and despair man think about it think about it let's go back in time a bit here what was your life like before the gospel yeah horrible i like that what were the circumstances that brought you to cry out to come to that place where it was like oh god save me save me for me 33 years ago of course you heard it before drugs and alcohol Marriage on the skids, um, responsibilities of raising kids and, and just the pressures of life, the normal stuff. But the big thing for me was, was here. The realization that it came to this thing was like, wait a minute. Is this really all there is to life? I think Peggy Lee sang that song. I think her name was Peggy Lee. Is this all there is? Is this it? Is it serious? Working five and a half, six days a week? 12 hours a day in the grocery industry, killing myself, 
only hope was the party was going to happen on Friday night or Saturday or, or even coming home, the six-pack, or even when I got in the car, the, the joint that was there ready for me, the, when I was, oh, my gosh, this is all there is to life? But for me, here was the worst part of it all. When looking at the picture of my life at that time, seven years after I'd gotten married, that if I didn't change, if something didn't change, I was not only losing my marriage, I was going to lose my kids. It was that bad. And so the only way to fix that was, of course, I had to give up drinking. I had to give up the drugs. I had to give up all that stuff that really was the thing that was propping me up. It was giving me the only hope that I had. Man, I can, if I can just make it through this week, the party, the Friday night, the Dodger game, that whatever it was, that was there, something. And, and to come to the realization that that had to go. That, to me, was, was really the, the catalyst that pushed me over the edge. Because despairing of life, because, of course, maybe like you, I, I could not picture myself as a non-drinking, partying human being. I grew up in that generation where, you know, it was kiss, man. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. I want, you had to fight for your, I mean, that was it. It was to the max. That was my life. Was that my, my personality. Was, everything was in me. I had a sweatshirt that said, you know, Flagoski. Those of you in the Navy, what was Flagoski? Nobody in the Navy out there? Flag Oscar, man overboard. I loved wearing that sweatshirt around because I was overboard. I was overboard. And yet the realization that all had to change scared me more than anything else. It was crazy. But God, you guys, Ephesians chapter 2, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. But God, but God. Turn to Psalm 116. Keep your finger there in 1 Thessalonians 116. This was... This was my salvation psalm. And the, great, the cool thing about it, verses 5 and 6, somebody actually, after, I don't know, six months that I'd gotten saved, they actually wrote, hand-wrote this, this verse here and put it on a plaque. I mean, it was really, I still have it. 33 years ago, I still have it. But this psalm is this. I love the Lord. Why? Because he heard my, my voice. And my supplication, because he's inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. That's us today, you guys. The pains of death surrounded me, and the pains of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. That's where we were. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I implore you, I beg you, I beseech you, deliver my soul. And here it is. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. That's what God did, you guys. That's the power of the gospel. That's the impact the gospel had. And tonight, in our passage regarding the gospel, Paul starts out, verse 6. What did he say? And you became, you became, you, you, were, you were one way in life, but now you're another. Hallelujah. You went from, from ashes to beauty. You went from lost 
you became found. You were dead, but now you became alive. You became. And this was the experience of the Thessalonians and us as well. And as a result, the impact the gospel had on them, they had the following, number one, a new family. Turn around, brothers. This is your new family right here. A new foundation. What's that foundation? The word of God, of course, Jesus. But the word of God is my point. A new fruit, fruit of the spirit, a new focus, the Lord, of course, and a new future. Where is our future, guys? Oh, it's in the government. It's in Christian nationalism. It's in all. No, our future's in heaven, brothers. So number one, what was the impact of the gospel? A new family. This was the spiritual, verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord. And one of the greatest things that happens when we come to Christ is this new family that we become part of. And I got saved the Nazarene church there over in Torrance, right across from the courthouse. And uh, man, it was the craziest thing. Here's this young, crazy, out of control, 30-year-old guy jumping into a church. The average age there was probably 60 years old, 65 years. That was old back then. Ain't so old now. <laughs> Actually, they were older than me. I was, I'm always been young, but they were older. And yet we're there, and, and, and this, this group of people, though, they loved us into the kingdom. They accepted us just the way we are, were, my kids, my family, everybody. Man, the potlucks. Man, when do, you, when do, you, do you remember when you first discovered potlucks at church? I mean, how crazy could it have been to sit there and come to a potluck with a bunch of people you don't really even know that you didn't know, and you're now you're getting to know, and to be able to walk away from there going, oh my gosh, that was that was funner than any kegger I'd ever been to. Yeah. Is, is, am I dating myself saying the word kegger? Anybody remember the keggers? <laughs> oh my gosh. The prayer meetings, the after services gathering, we'd head over to Hoff's hut, take up the whole place almost, man, laughing. And we would sing that old hymn. Anybody remember that? I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. Washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. I know Randy knows this. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And as this new family comes, with number one, a new example. You became followers of us. Paul and the gang, great examples of godliness. And, and the Thessalonians, man, they followed these guys. They saw their example and they imitated them. They became men who had, were following men in the world, now they were following men of God, men of integrity and truth and purity and holiness, men you could trust. And, and think about the things when you first came a Christian that, that you, you started imitating people, didn't you? I mean, didn't you, did, you, did you ever look at somebody worshiping, you came to church like, hey, that looks pretty cool, man. I'm going I'm to I'm do that with my hands right there. I'm going to, oh. I, or, or maybe you're more like your ones like, oh, you know, I like, I like this one. That's, I'm imitating, yeah, I've got it just right. Or I like, the, I like how the ladies kind of do it. They're like, oh, like that little bit. But you imitated people, didn't you? You, you, you still imitate people. Now, how about in praying? You hear somebody pray, man, that sounds pretty good. I'm going to write that one down there, yeah, brother. Let's just cut that one. You would imitate people praying. You, you, all, the, all the things you did that you still do, you're imitating, though, godly men course the women imitating godly women as well this new example but then also 
this new family, you got a new example, but you also got a new father. Isn't that great? And the Lord. You became followers of us and of the Lord. They followed their father in heaven, their new father. And of course, incredible promise, something that we don't deserve. I love John 1, 12. It says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, our heavenly father. And some people actually, it's, it's tough sometimes to struggle with this whole idea of a heavenly father, especially women who've been abused by their dads. And yet we got we gotta, our own dads as well. Some of us had great dads. Some of us had so-so dads. Some of us had bad dads. You had to step over, just like all the people, all the kings would step over the bad king before, right back to David, to new father. But also they had a new father, but also a new fellowship and Paul uses the word brethren 96 times in his letter and, of course, speaks of this affectionate bond of Christ, all these brothers here. And with this new family, of course, comes a new fellowship in this word that we all know, maybe koinonia, this, this relationship. And that's what it's about. Like, how many of you guys went to the church picnic? See, that was an example of this great koinonia there at the picnic tables. We couldn't get the people to leave the picnic tables to get over to the gazebo for the, you know, the message and the worship and all that. I kept, Nacho, come on, man. Tell them, to get over, waiting for them. Pastor Rob, they don't want to leave. They're fellowshipping. They're hanging out. They're eating more pie. They're eating more food. Potlucks, get it, get it, see? New fellowship. And guys, as we've come to know, there's no greater joy than hanging out with brothers in Christ, especially, of course, my heart, for you guys, I love the men's retreats. Man. And the crazy thing is, I mean, we've all come from every different walk of life out here. We got John Waynes, we got Don Knotts, we got all different kinds of people, and yet we can all hang out, hug each other, cry with each other, laugh and everything. And and this is the new fellowship right here. And this this koinonia, this fellowship really surpasses your own families, if you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, some of us got families that are Christ-like and Christian, and it's, it's great as well. But for the most part, you know what? Would you rather be here or would you rather be there? <laughs> Sometimes I'd rather be right here than hanging out with all them crazies. So the new family was a spiritual one. The second thing, though, the impact of the gospel, a new foundation. And that was the word. Our our. Theme verse for the men's study, Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever, brother. And the word of God, this word stands, the word, and it's what we are standing on. This is our foundation. It was the word of God that changed their lives. The gospel was preached by Paul under the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were changed. And this word became to them the new foundation for living. Same with us. The new instructions for life right here. Oh, no, no. You, you, you don't, you're not supposed to act like this anymore. You act like what the Word tells you to. New pattern for life. How am I to live my life? What am I to do? Where am I to go? Okay, here's the pattern right here. The Word of God. Or the new way. The new way you were supposed to live. All right here. The basic instruction before leaving earth right here. And, of course, with us, guys, that's, that's why we become, and that's why we encourage you guys to become men of the word. Every man, every day. And I pray that this last week, some of you guys made that decision. You, you started the new diet. 
the Word of God at least you got into. Maybe one egg, one egg a day, you know, 10 minutes. But you got to work up to five or six eggs a day. Amen? Become men of the Word. Why? Turn with me to Psalm, or to Psalm 19. I love this passage of Scripture. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. Here it is, guys. Turn with me. I didn't hear the pages turning. Come on now. Come on, brothers. Don't be, be lazy on me. You got to know the addresses. Psalm 19, verse 7. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, I, I, I heard that verse somewhere in the Bible. I know it's in the Bible somewhere. Got to know the addresses. And this is the only way you learn, by turning there and looking at it, underlining it for yourself. Verse 7, 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. This is the NAS, not the uh, New King James. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. There it is, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Don't you love that part? Because of the instruction in God's word, we become wiser than the wise. Statute of, statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoice in the heart. You know, when you, when you start following God's word, doing the right thing, the, the guilt and shame of doing things that are wrong, just leaves. It's, it's good. Rejoices your heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, opening up our eyes to the truth. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. The psalmist David knew, and David had a little bit of gold, amen? More to be desired than gold, than fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Man, has the word of God become that way to you? Just, last, when's the last time you bit into a honeycomb, man? That's the word, you guys. Moreover, here it is, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. I was having a little premarital counseling appointment with a couple and talking to them how their things are going, this and that and everything, and how's your devotions? And, you know, they're getting ready for the wedding and all this, and they both said, hey, I see you're kidding me, Right? Well, we're just so busy. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I said, I said, you know what, though? You're going through all this, and you're going through the stresses of preparing for the, all the kind of things. God has prepared his word to speak to that very situation. In the morning, he wants to speak to what's going on in your life. But, but here's the deal. So he's got it all ready for it. Oh, I can't wait for, I won't use the person's name. I can't wait for so-and-so to open a word this morning because I got a word for him. I got a word. I, and then and they get in, it's like I said, and the Lord's like, wait, wait, come, come back, come back, I got this for you. Out the door they go. Missed it, missed it, missed it. How many of you have missed the word that God had for you even today to help you get through today? Guys, you can't miss this. Man, in keeping them, moreover, by the, your servant is warned. God, he's going to warn you in the word, hey. You're getting prideful. You're getting angry. You're getting lustful. You're chasing after things you shouldn't be. Turn to back up. Whack, whack, pull back. I missed that one. Go to work, and there's the trap. There's the devil in the blue dress, and you're, you're toast. You're gone. 
you're, and you're reduced to a crust of bread, as it says there in Proverbs. Terrible. Anyhow, the new foundation, the word. Number one, they received the word joyfully. Ha, why? Because it changed them. My goodness, the gospel. But it also, it comforted them even under persecution. They received it joyfully. They welcomed the word sincerely as the truth. No questions. What does he say there? And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, though, for you, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so they do not need to say anything. Man, they welcome this word sincerely. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it. Here it is, guys. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Yes, written by men, but inspired by who? Amen. Inspired by who? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is God's word, you guys. They received it joyfully. They, they welcomed it sincerely. Not as men, but as God. And that's the problem with people in the world today. That's just fairy tales. Guys wrote it, and the people put stuff in they wanted, and they took stuff out they wanted, whatever. Well, okay, big deal. Holy Spirit was still directing it all. There it is. But also, number three, they proclaimed the word loudly. Verse 8. From you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. This word speaks of a, a trumpet blast. Sounded forth in which the gospel was proclaimed and blasted forth from place to place, just like it was last Wednesday night at the Dodger game. Anybody go to that game? I see one hand back there. You were at the game, were you? The wild card game? You tell me I was the only one at that game? I'll show you the video of the home run, bro. You want to talk about deafening loud. That's what we're talking about here. When CT3 hit that, man, it will. I've never been in a, in a sporting event that was like that in my life. Man, that's what we're talking about. They proclaimed the word loudly, loudly. And it's the foundation for life, guys. It is life. It is joy. It is peace. The impact of the gospel, a new foundation, the word Number three, moving on. What was the impact of the gospel? A new fruit. And this was the work. Verse seven and eight, of course. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Acacia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out. So that we do not need to say anything. Would to God that would be the case with Calvary Chapel South Bay Men's Ministry. And what was the new fruit? The work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Man, the fruit of the Spirit. Their new faith resulted in works, good works, works of righteousness that spoke of the salvation, no longer the fruit of unrighteousness as a result of living after the flesh and the things of the world. Think about that, guys. When we lived in the world, the fruit of our lives 
darkness, destruction, death, yuck, junk. I was uh, on the way. I went and got my, uh, my booster shot today with a, a buddy of mine from high school. And this guy, we've stayed in touch, um, lost touch about 20 years, and he got saved and everything. But uh, we still work out together on Fridays. But we were on our way there. We were talking. We'll talk about the past. We went to Torrance High together, and he still lives in the same house. He was in high school. We're just, we talk about a lot of things of our past, and he even brought it up himself. They say, you know what? Remember this. Remember that. Remember that. Oh, my gosh. So thankful that we're not caught up in that stuff anymore. How horrible it was. How terrible it was when you think back and you look at that and, and imagine to be caught up in that stuff again. Terrible. No longer the fruits of unrighteous guys. Because of the gospel, number one, they were examples of godliness. Is that the example that you're showing forth? You became examples to all in Macedonia. That's a pretty big area. I'd be like, you know, all of Southern California, something like that. Maybe California. They became followers who, of course, then imitated Paul and the gang. And this imitation caused them to become the examples, you guys. For the gospel did not come with word only, but in power, the Holy Spirit, and you became followers of us, verse 6. They were examples. Example to other churches and believers on, on how to endure, how to, how to be joyful in the midst of trials and storms, how to walk in Christ. They were examples, but also they were examples of faith, godliness and faith. They showed by example that they had come to faith in Christ. There was a change there. There was evidence in looking at your own lives. What, what is the evidence of the gospel in your own life? Is there? Is there evidence? Again, self-examination is always a wonderful thing. They showed by example they had faith in Christ, which was manifested by the fact that they remained steadfast even in all their afflictions. They didn't turn away. They weren't like those who received the word and then it came on hard soil or, or thorny soil and it psh, they were gone. No, it was good soil. And it produced fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Man, examples. And in every place, reports of their faith in God had spread. Man, what a church. What a church. This was the new fruit, the works. Number four, what was the impact of the gospel? A new focus. Of course, the Lord. For they themselves declare concerning you, verse 9, Concerning us, what manner of intro we had, or how you welcomed us, and how you had turned from turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son in heaven. The new focus, the Lord. They turned from those idols. Of course, mostly wooden, stone. You can read in the Old Testament, these guys psh, it was crazy. Many were sexual in nature, they were dead, they were dark, they were demonic, that only led to bondage. And they had turned to the living and true God, the only God, you guys. In Isaiah 45, you can turn with me there if you want. Remember, we love addresses. Isaiah 45, verse 18 through 23. And of course, in Isaiah, the prophet is, is really chastising the children of Israel because they, of course, had gone after the idols. They had worshipped the Baals. They had turned from the true and living God to worship idols of stone, and wood. 
They maybe had eyes, but they couldn't see. They maybe had mouths, but they couldn't speak. And verse 18, Isaiah 40 says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it and evade, who formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord and there is no other. And interesting, you, you get people that are, oh, yeah, there's many ways to heaven. There's many gods out there. There's many, you know what? As long as you love and, and you're a good person, oh, there's only one way to heaven. There's no such thing as universalism. Universalism is a demonic, false teaching. What does he say here? Have I, I, have, I, have spoke, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, seek, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Verse 20, assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. You who have escaped from the nations, they have no knowledge. Who carry the wood of their carved image and pray to a God that cannot save. Tell them, bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Look at me, or look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me... Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. And who quoted that scripture in a New Testament passage? Philippians chapter 2. Every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess. Jesus Christ is the Lord. This new focus. Guys, anything other than the true God, the true living God, is just idolatry. And it's false. There isn't any other way. There isn't any other God out there. Any other religion that's worshiping their God is a false God, is an idol, is a God that cannot do anything for them, cannot save them. So with this, of course, they had a new focus. To serve Christ, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. No longer slaves to darkness and unrighteousness, they became bond servants. They became slaves to God. They became dulio. All you guys are dulio out there. You are bond servants of Christ. To serve Christ, but also to wait for Christ. Here's the first inference of the fact of the coming of the Lord. To wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. No longer earthly-minded, guys. No longer caught up in this life. But heavily minded, focus is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. I love that. Seek and set. Seek and set. Turn off the news, seek and set. Look away from the things of the earth, seek and set your mind on things above. I'll tell you what, when you start doing that, what, what is above? Where, where is Jesus? He's in paradise, dudes. 
He's in heaven. Do I want to focus on this pitiful, pathetic planet? Or do I want to focus on where I really do live? So that's, that's where I live. My citizenship is in heaven. Paul said that in Philippians chapter 3. My citizenship is in heaven, not here on earth. And yet, of course, we have dual citizenship. My citizenship on earth as an ambassador is only for one reason. Ultimately, to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. So what are your idols tonight? Who are you really serving? Remember that, here again, dating myself. But you remember that Bob Dylan song? Yeah, who's Bob Dylan? Yeah. Dog. He just dogged at me right there. He just slammed me to the ground, threw me under the bus. Bob Dylan? He's still alive. What does he say? You got to serve somebody. Remember that song? You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Dylan had it right. Because either you're serving the Lord or ultimately you're serving the devil. Only two choices. Serving yourself, the flesh, the world. If it's anything but God, it's of the devil. Anything but God, it's of the devil. In that regards, when you're serving. So their new focus, to serve, to wait. Number five, though, what was the impact of the gospel? Number five, a new future. Verse 10, of course. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus. No longer were they lost in their futile way of life. No longer were they going to face the judgment to come, he says right there, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And what is that wrath? Just read Revelation chapter 6 through 19. You're going to see some wrath, unbelievable wrath, unreal wrath, un crazy. See, when they came to Christ with the gospel, they went from death to life, from citizens of earth to citizens of heaven. And this is the reward of every believer. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again or caused us to be born again to a living hope. We talked about this last year. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, through the gospel, to inheritance, which is incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Your reservations are in as believers who are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. In this, you greatly rejoice. The reward, you guys. They had a new future. See, their eternity our eternity was switched. Before Christ, what was, the, what was our plan? What was the plan? Death, destruction, hell, damnation. Yikes. But it got switched. When the gospel comes, eternity is switched. It's, it's changed. Man, they had a new future. They also, they had a new plan. No longer serving useless, worthless idols. Serving now the living and true God. The one who is alive forevermore. The one who is even right now alive in heaven. New future, new plan. They had a new hope. And this was eternal life in heaven beyond the momentary light afflictions that Paul speaks about as well. Those momentary light afflictions he was teaching the Corinthians, which are working in us a far more and exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary. 
and the things which are unseen are eternal. Man, a new hope, the reward of all believers in Christ. So we have the impact of the gospel, a new family, new foundation, new fruit, new focus, new future. So some application tonight. Question for you, how has the gospel impacted your life? And it's something to sit there and dwell and think about because ultimately, guys, the changes that came to you in your life, how that has transcended to your family, your kids, your lifestyle, your pursuits. Let's think about it. In my case, it all changed. It all changed. Completely different person in many respects it all changed man think about it had the gospel not come into your life of course you wouldn't be here tonight but you wouldn't be going to heaven you'd still be on that path of destruction wherever you were going whatever you were heading whatever was going on in your life whatever was going on had the change not come had you not been impacted by the gospel had, it, had you not received and believed. And the true gospel, guys, why it's so important, has to be preached, must be preached. And, of course, I think that's the problem in the church in America because it's no longer the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of whatever you want almost. Think about it. Of course, we know about the gospel of prosperity. But the gospel of selfism, the gospel, gospel of politics, the gospel of Christian nationalism, socialism, activism, legalism, all this false gospels that are out there. None of these truly save. I'm not going to make you turn here, but I'm going to Jeremiah 7, 30, 31. I know you guys, your fingers are tired. <laughs> but I came upon this scripture a few days ago, and I love how God does this as you're preparing a message and he gives you these words as I'm going through the word. Now, if I miss reading the Bible this day, guess what? I wouldn't have got this. Just saying. Just saying. Jeremiah says here, an astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. Speaking of Israel, of course. The prophets prophesy falsely. And, of course, my immediate application went straight to the United States and the Church of America. The prophets are prophesying falsely, and the priests rule by their own power in the flesh for themselves, not by the Spirit of God. And here's the problem. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? When it all, and, and Paul told Timothy, right, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, that they were going to heap up for themselves teachers that would tickle their ears to tell them what they wanted to hear. I tell you what, the most popular churches in America today, they ain't preaching the true gospel. They're not. And what scares me is, so you go to this church that's teaching Christian nationalism and politics and republicanism and blah, 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 all that kind of junk and trash. Are those people truly getting saved? I mean, they may be professing Jesus, but is the association with that whole gospel, is it, is it truly bringing salvation? Now, only God knows. But I'm telling you what, I know of only one true 
gospel that will save a man or woman. That's the Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, to all who believe. The gospel, Jesus who came, born a virgin, lived a sinless life, loved us, died for our sins that we might be forgiven, who rose again, demonstrated power over sin and death, who is coming back for his bride, the church. That's the gospel that can truly change and bring salvation, guys. And that's why it's so important that this gospel is preached. But the problem, of course, is that, that a lot of people think, man, this, this word gospel, and, and number three, don't give up on the gospel. It's still the power of God and salvation. But when you hear the word gospel, some people, you know, that's like the gospel hour, you know, the good old gospel, you know, and it, people, that's, that's old. That's like an old word. We don't have, what is the gospel? Think about it. There's people in church today that, well, what is this word gospel people keep talking about? Anybody know what the gospel is? And, of course, I, I get it. You think about it. But what, is, what does the gospel mean? It's the good news. It's not just the good news. It's the great news that Jesus came. And the gospel is the plan of salvation that God had for man. So if you don't want to use the word gospel, fine. But preach Jesus. Him crucified. Him coming for men. Him coming for our sins. That Because all who have sinned and fallen short are the glory of God. And, of course, over in Columbia, it was wonderful to, to get back to that place of walking up and down the street saying, do you know what? Do you know Jesus? Have you ever heard of the gospel? Have you ever heard that God sent his son to come and die for your sins? That he died on the third day and rose. He died and, and then rose on the third day and over power, over sin and death. The whole, to go through that was so wonderful. And people responded, guess what? To the gospel. And if I sat there and started talking about, well, you know what? In America, you know, we got, we got Republicanism, we got Democratism, we got all, you know, start preaching that kind of trash. No. Guys, don't give up on the gospel. Preach it and see what happens. And, and last little story there. So we're in this little town on the island of Tierra Bomba. We're in a place called Boca Chica. And, um, it's just dirt roads, no running water, just junk, people, people all over the place. So, so we come walking up, and we're in groups. We have interpreters, of course, and I'm with Naz Portillo. Naz, you here tonight? I don't see Naz. He didn't show up. So me and Naz walk up to these guys, and there's these four guys sitting there. And they looked a little, a little harder, a little tougher than the most people we were talking to. So I said, hey, Naz, you want to talk to him? <laughs> he can speak the language, of course. And so he starts talking he goes oh no pastor rob they want you to share so it was kind of like come on bring it bring it on you know and okay so we just started talking and as an interpreter of course the holy spirit fell upon these guys and it was amazing then more more people were kind of gathering around and i'm just going for it preaching the gospel going for it i mean just straight from what you would see in scripture that you're a sinner that if you die today, you're going to go to heaven. What's going to happen in your life? Do you have hope? All these just flowing, 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 everything. And before you know it, here's these guys. And it's, do you want to accept Christ? Do you want to go to heaven? you want to know that your sins are forgiven? Do you want a new life? Do you want to change? Listen to that. Do you want to pray? What's stopping you? Well, you want to pray with me now? Well, let's pray. They grabbed hands together. Now there's five guys praying. And they were into it. 
So I led him in a sinner's prayer, and, and it was like, ah, high five and this and that. And we told him about we we're going to have a church service the next day at this uh, little mission place. And so, okay, okay, walked away and everything. So a little bit further on down the road, because we were heading towards this little fort, Pastor Alex, who's the pastor of Calvary Chapel El Refugio on Tierra Bamba, in Tierra Bamba, he comes up to me and goes, hey, you know those guys you were talking to? Yeah, that was pretty cool. He goes, you know, they were, they were, they were not good guys. They're, they're the loan sharks of this village over here. Whoa, no kidding. Yeah. And so he was pretty blown away. So are we, as a matter of fact. But, you know, I, we weren't scared of them like that. But as long as I paid some money to them. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, guys, don't give up on the gospel. Preach it to your friends. Preach it to your family members. Preach it to the neighbors, people in the street. And you'll be surprised. When you start talking to somebody, especially when you throw out, you know, what is your future? If you die, do you, what do you believe? Where are you going to go? Just ask the questions. We, we were in another story. We were in out by the old city in this park where you saw Pastor Dennis talking about being in downtown Cartagena. Well, we weren't really in downtown Cartagena. We were in where the old city is, still over in, in, in uh, Isla Grande though, over there. Downtown Cartagena, we wouldn't step a foot in that place. Nah, 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 nah. But anyhow, so I walk up to these kids. And so I actually presented the gospel to them by simply saying, hey, you know what, we're from America, I'm a pastor there, and I, I want to ask you some questions. You know, nothing, no, no like, you know, I'm, no. hey, what do you think about this? Oh, cool, well, what do you think about this? Well, what do you think spiritually? You know, what do you think about heaven? Do you, you think there's a devil? Do you think, you believe in God? You know, just questions, 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 which, of course, ultimately leads you to bringing them to a path, but they, they kind of outsmarted us a little bit, so... <laughs> They were texting back and forth, and the one guy texted him, hey, give me a call. I'll tell him it's my mom. we got to go. <laughs> but guess what? They heard the complete gospel. They were given opportunity to pray, to receive Christ. They weren't ready. But guess what? Seed was planted. And who knows where it is today. So, all right, brothers, let's stand. Let's close in prayer. And Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the gospel for all of our lives, all of us here tonight, the impact that it has had on our lives. And I just pray the men tonight would, even as they um, sit there and meditate a bit tonight, reflecting on how you changed their lives. Maybe you saved their marriage. Maybe you turned them from drugs and alcohol. Lord, maybe you gave them a new lease on life. Maybe um, a job, maybe the finances, whatever it was, Lord, the changes that came, Lord, they were going one way, and now they're going another. And, Lord, we are so thankful that we are on the road to heaven, and we have eternal life. And, Lord, we can't wait, even as these, waiting for their Savior in heaven, Lord. So bless them, I pray, in their group times. Encourage them. Bless them, remind them that they are saved, Lord, that you are for them, you're with them, that you're on their side. So bless, we pray, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.